Wait, did you hear? <gasps> no. We're diving into the juiciest celebrity profiles of all time. I'm Beatrice Hazelhurst. And I'm Ivana Ryder. This, this is Uncover Girl. Girl. Hello, beautiful Agos. Oh, we're happy to be here. We're, we're, we are so happy to be here. That was a that was a low dulcet tone for me. That was yeah. I, I, hit, I hit the baritone. Yeah, Lana, Lana in the room with us now. Oh, don't, don't. That's the big week thing. Yeah, big week. Okay, how do you feel about it? I there's something about it for me. She's so ethereal. She's so extraterrestrial no not extraterrestrial what is it do you know what I mean like other I know what you mean I know what you mean yeah of course of course um, but I do know that there's a word that you're thinking of yes that's not et no no not et it's not and it's not effervescent that's a bubbly drink um no, or it's a not beautiful champagne she's just she's not of this world in a way that I'm like please don't do skims you know I'm just like yeah. Oh, it, it feels like it cheapens it cheapens the brand it cheapens the image a little bit for me but I mean I an iconic get for Kim like huge huge for Kim oh but. massive and pegged to the Coachella lineup announcement I mean it's oh. almost too much it's too perfect are we going back are we going I'd like to I'd like to so would I <sighs> so would I we'll see I'd, I'd love to, I've seen her live only once uh, you know the story, surely. Do you know the story? I don't know if I do. Wait, I feel like I ha- it's so outrageous. I feel like I have to tell it. Tell it. Please, God, tell it. Okay, so I was interviewing Janae Aiko, who was her opening act during her um, like Lust for Life tour. This is back in 2018. I was seeing a terrible, terrible boyfriend at the time who was obsessed with Janae. And so I was like, you should come to Boston with me to interview Janae, you know, backstage, like meet her and then we'll go and watch Lana. And he was like, I'm there. So while I was interviewing Janae backstage, he got a bottle of vodka just for himself and got no. terribly, terribly drunk. He shows up backstage, her bodyguard like brings him in. He starts like gushing about like how her poetry like saved his life, like just so like, I'm a fan, I'm a fan. She was quite uncomfortable and you could tell it she asked if the room could be cleared just for me and her to continue on so he went and sat outside I finally emerge and it's late like we've been talking for a while like Lana is about to go on any minute and it was my first time ever seeing her live I was so excited so I was like we've got to run and we're now running down the corridor of this arena and he's like yelling you know when you're drunk and it's loud he's like I feel like she didn't like me I was like okay we've we've got bigger fish to fry here like Lana's about to go on so we're rounding the corner and suddenly like an arm stop like a barrier and it's Lana's bodyguard she is maybe five feet away holding the mic my boyfriend at the time still talking still talking about Janae loud 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 I turned to him and in his ear I go Shut the fuck up. Lana Del Rey is right there. He goes to me, where's Lana Del Rey? No. Ivana, if I had had a gun <laughs> in that moment, it was like, that's my idol. It was the most starstruck I have ever been in my life. She's right there. 
she turns around, full acrylics, gives us a little wave, and then starts singing 13 Beaches and walks out. No. Starts singing right there. It was 13 Beaches. Walks out. So now we're side of stage. We're watching Lana's side of stage. I'm kind of like out of body. It's just my favorite person and I'm seeing them and I'm so close. He is filming on his phone and so am I. And at the same time, we get the same DM from the same girl. And I'm like, how crazy. Like this girl, Lily, she's replying to my story. I was like, how did Lily make a group with the two of us? Like I see it pop up on his phone at the same time. He had hacked my Instagram and added it to his account. And so was getting all my messages as I got them. And I learned side of stage while watching Lana Del Rey. So this is all to say, I have to redo the experience. (laughs) What? I have to have a fresh start because the rest of the concert was me scream crying, realizing like that this guy had just like betrayed my privacy in such a big way for months at a time. And I really couldn't enjoy the rest of the show. You know, young and beautiful, out the window. Video games, no time to play. Not just... video games, no. No, <laughs> no it's, it was over for me from that point on. So, yeah, I just, I think I, I gotta go to Coachella and I gotta see her. I gotta see her. Yeah, we gotta yeah. go. We're gonna rewrite I, history. You... That is absolutely insane. I can't believe I've never told you that story. Talk about no, like I've a never formative experience. That. that was like my biggest one. God, boyfriends really love to do stuff like that. Bad, oh my God. bad boyfriends. When you're 23. Ruining like exciting, huge moments for you. That's like their job. You walk home every night like crying for some reason. Like there's always, there's always something that crops up. It's never just going to be a, a straightforward type of occasion. I'm livid. I'm moved. I'm touched. <laughs> I wish I could have known you then. A real narrative arc. What a tale. Okay, yeah, yeah, you have to go. But seeing Lana in that moment, and I wish, I wish I had just taken like a mental screenshot. I, I can't really remember anything about it because I think I actually blacked out in that moment. But she is like, she's not of this world. She's just on another level. And I think that's why seeing the skim stuff, like when she comes down to earth in that way and what feels like a constructed strategic marketing ploy, I am just like, no, like you are, you're bigger than this. You're bigger than the game. You train. the game. I totally understand. It's like putting her on an M&M. I feel like I need to really go in deep with her. I actually have been listening. I listened to her on the train back. It's like the snowy going through farmland train from Chicago, Chicago. to Wisconsin. Oh my and God. I was Were listening you- to her the whole time and it felt really like, oh, this is what she's for. You know, this is kind of perfect. <laughs> was your head against the glass? It was a real like main character moment. Yeah, your Dido. And I'm just, I'm there. And what am I doing? I'm just feeling. I'm feeling my feelings. That's all that's happening. That's a scary place to be. I feel like that's too vulnerable for me these days. I, feeling I my don't, feelings. Feeling feelings. <laughs> feeling feelings. I don't want to do it. Feelings. Frankly, I do not want to do it. I know. And it's interesting. It's like the quiet has sort of forced me to do it in a way that I... We must confront ourselves in the dark. Yeah. It's also an interesting transitional time all around. I'm feeling and noticing aging in myself more than I ever have before. Really? In what way? I'm now confronted by these overarching kind of conflicts, which are like, can I still wear pigtails? I'm turning 30. And do I need lip filler again? It's been five years. I'm looking back at photos and it was quite cool. 
like I'm now back in this <laughs> in this moment where I'm like I gotta I gotta do something I gotta do something like I gotta figure this this out because oh my god the years are they're wearing on me it's I'm I'm rapidly in decline. <laughs> <laughs> well, funny you should say that because I found a wiry gray hair the other day and I have been obsessed with her. I'm like, hi, what are you, you know, doing? You didn't here? pull it out immediately. No, I let it live. That's brave. Chris like monkey combs my hair for white hair. Cause also my, you know, that red hair goes like stark white. So it's so visible. My dad has the whitest like snow white hair. And so that's going to be you can, sick for you at like 85. You're going to be well, gorgine. No, because it's like a natural bleach. I think that's when I'm going to go like blue, lilac, pink. Like I'm going to hit all the colors without having to like ever bleach your hair and go through the rigmarole of that. So that's when I'm really going to live, I think. I see that for you completely. And my grandma one time did that by accident because she has very white hair and she usually dyes it kind of like a blondish, like from a box, um, like a golden blonde. And then one time she went too white and it turned her hair truly lavender. And she was walking around with lavender Tumblr era hair for like a couple weeks. I was going to say so Tumblr coated. Speaking of Lana Del Rey. A flower crown, a flower <laughs> yes. crown on her head, on Bubba's head. <laughs> Jean short with a ripped tight with a Doc Martin. Like she's just yeah. like... <laughs> <laughs> I actually can't even think about that. that she's actually- standing. <laughs> she's like looking at the concrete and Sanskrit written across. It's like these tears fall for a reason. <laughs> she's just like, oh my God. In her era, she's reblogging the weekend lyrics. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh my I did God. find a really Tumblr era photo of her yesterday, actually. Wait, I'm going to try to show this to you via online. And um, hopefully you can see this. This feels like Tumblr to me. And it was a screenshot that I took. Okay, why? I'm 107 years old. It's like a photo set of her. Can you see? Yes, She's I can see. smoking here. And then she gets in trouble and she runs with her cigarette inside to try to convince them that she wasn't smoking. Okay, she's Alex Turner. This is a still from an Arctic Monkeys video, and she is Alex Turner. I know, wow. <laughs> oh, That's so incredible. Funny. She looks back on that photo. She was like, oh my God, being 82 was such a good year for me. <laughs> New York City. <laughs> So yeah, so um, that's going to be amazing for you when you're pastel pink and 82 years old. Reminding myself of things like this, like I have always been someone who's like, you're like 30, that's when it's all going to kick off 40 even like that sounds sick. Like I'm ready to go. It's funny when it approaches, you're kind of like, wait, do I have to grow up? And then it's, it's so funny because I look at all friends that are, you know, 30 and above and I'm like, by the same but for me i'm just like no more pigtails you're done pencil skirts <laughs> only that's it you start wearing those nude tights underneath everything like how like for some reason it's just like more proper if you're wearing a skirt to have like nude tights underneath it oh you've got to be you, you got to be covered yeah yeah an inch at of all skin times. showing that's the other thing it's like a crop top like when does it become mud and dresses lamb that's what i need to know more and more though As I sift through the racks of crossroads, I have found myself for the very first time in my life going like, this is a little too young for me. But really what I am talking about is the Lana Tumblr era urban outfitters. That's like a crop top with like a frilly something, you know, but there are things I love a rhinestone. I love a rhinestone. I think it's timeless. I know you have such a magpie brain. I do. It's hard because I don't even have the barometer to be like, it's a little young for me. That does not occur to me and I'm just like 
that's cute and I need it. <laughs> and, but I do, my proclivity recently towards suits, I think has, has been a real palpable shift. Like now I just love a suit. There's definitely, there are signs. It's like, See, that's I won't tell anyone, but there'll be signs. <laughs> a suit for me, I'm like, I don't know what I'd do with a suit. A suit is for someone more mature and elegant than I could ever dream of being right now. I think you're so mature and elegant. I would venture to say that you are more mature and elegant than 99% of the population. Oh my God. That's a Including huge compliment. Myself. But I just, I don't know. I have a thing with structured clothes. I feel like I'm putting on a costume in a way that I haven't been able to get over, but I really need to because I've seen you in a three-piece suit and it's been like, oh my God, you look amazing. So fun. Do you remember that era where Blake Lively only wore three-piece suits? I think it was a simple life. No, a simple no. plan. <laughs> a, simple a simple time, plan. a quiet life. A, a uh, simple favor. A simple favor. That's right. Oh my God. But I think she just did it in general. I really don't know what brought that on, but it did get to a point where I was like, would it kill you to, to put on a, a skirt? Would it kill you yeah. to just do the blazer and pants without the vest? You know, do you need the cane? <laughs> the cane? Is the top hat really necessary? I mean, she did get married in a plantation. That's right. I know. My God, you are a vault. You are an absolute pop culture archive. Well, it's funny that you say that because this leads me perfectly into my inspiration. This What's past inspiring week, you? I went to go visit my old university in Chicago and I got an afternoon tea with my very favorite professor who is near and dear to me. She's also an incredible journalist, writer, everything, Amy Merrick check her out. It's not too much to say that she truly taught me everything I know and was a mother to me in college. And we kind of together with a few other kids founded a magazine at DePaul because there had never been one. It was just a school newspaper where they did like quick news hits. And I was like, I love long form feature writing. There's no place to do that on campus. I will start one. And then I went to one of their meetings because it's ongoing. And I met an uggo there. I met an uggo there. No, you and did not. What she no. said to me, yes, I did. I did. It warmed my heart. And she said, I listen to your podcast. It's like the way that I decompress and my knowledge of pop culture has like grown immensely. How did she find us? I'm not clear on the details. And if it's you, if you're listening, hello, you made my day, my week, my month, you sweet angel. I think your name's Yana. And I believe that you're also Serbian. I found out later. Oh my um, God. And if I'm mixing up any of those details, I'm so sorry. <laughs> she doxes possibly... the pod. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Don't worry. You can do whatever you want. Freedom of speech. But um, I think I came to speak at one of her classes and then she like looked up my name after I found the pod. However it was, I feel very unjaded in a way that I so rarely do because I met all these sweet young journalists who are just starting their careers, who are freshmen and sophomores and juniors in college. And I was so impressed with them. I was so impressed with their work and their like work ethic. They're there late into the night at a three-hour meeting pitching stories. It just really genuinely warmed my heart. Didn't you Go. say there's like a staff of like 40 people now? Yes. When we were doing it, it was like eight of us in like a conference room late at night with like you know, no sense of what we were doing, no budget, no anything. It was really, really special. And I feel like reminded me of my little self at the time and how I was in college. And it felt like visiting, like, you know, your inner child in a way of like, hi, sweetie. 
I see you and all that you did then. And I see all you maintain now of the person you were then. When I say that Chicago is the city of my youth, it really felt like it as I returned and sort of slipped and slid around the black ice on the streets. I was like, ha some things don't change. Even meeting your college friends, it's like, these are the people that made you, you. This town is who you are. It's such a specific experience to return. It is a homecoming of sorts. You just had such a different experience to me as well when I went back to my high school and I brought it up briefly, I think last week, but it was totally different. It was like staring down a bunch of people all somehow in jeans, hoodies, and a tank. Like I was like, okay, this is um, Forks High and Bella Swan is just around the corner. Like I was like, it's also 80 degrees out and you're wearing a zip up hoodie with a tank and baggy jeans. Like, and uh, yeah, and they were not as enthused about me, journalism as a whole, the workforce. They really just wanted to talk about like how to make money and who is famous. I get it. I do. And that you didn't deserve that. People were like, how do you file taxes? And I was like, we can talk after this. Like, it's Oh, that's the whole such thing. a good practical question. Because yeah, you it do was. learn that the hard way. Everyone I, I know. Horrible first tax season. Oh, I learned it through an audit. <laughs> talk about healing the inner child. Yeah. There's nothing like an audit to, uh, <laughs> to get, totally derail your life. Oh, um, my God. No, I was just going to say your inspiration feeds so well into mine. I accepted a new job and a couple of coworkers. When you sneeze, it literally looks like you were dabbing. You really just did a perfect dab. I was sneezing. It was the sneeze. Can you imagine? I'm like, I talked to Gen Z people for one hour and I'm like. (laughs) You're literally like, damn, Daniel. (laughs) Just dabbing. That's also, I think, yeah, like a millennial reference. I don't even think that that is theirs. That's ours. That's ours. That's our shame to bear. We're just asking what Hogwarts house you're in and saying, damn, Daniel, (laughs) not the bands with the white jeans. (laughs) It's just like listening to Migos and like, (laughs) oh my God. So um, I have a couple of coworkers who have started listening to the pod and one in particular, Ashley, if you're listening, my lover, my friend, she's not only listening, but she is such a voracious reader and is reading every single profile. I don't know if the egos have noticed, but we link the original profile in our show notes just so if you ever want, you can kind of compare and contrast your own personal takes to ours. But she goes through and reads and she's been giving me full updates of like, oh my God, I'm halfway through Timothy Chalamet. I think it's going to take me another three weeks to finish. This is literally... A novel like it's just so fun to engage with someone on that level in that way and for someone to be so invested in kind of like the work because ultimately we're here because we're obsessed with profiles that's such a fun format of journalism to read there's nothing actually like them that exists also I think everyone I talk to is also just such a big fan of yours the parasocial relationship oh that I feel like you in particular cultivate it's so niche and so special everyone's like she could do it alone like if Don't we just if we just dropped a bit of Beatrice, I feel like that would really take it to the next level. Oh That's really God. getting us into monetized territory. If we just like turn the volume down on Beatrice and just push Ivana to the forefront. <laughs> I think we're just- I'm moved to my core, but I have to say also that the same thing happens with you where everyone is like, oh my God, Beatrice, a force of nature. J'adore her. <laughs> J'adore. And they're not going to say that they love us to our face. They'll just compliment 
They'll say it behind our backs. They'll say it behind our backs, which is honestly what you hope for. You cannot give women too much power and say anything to their face. No, no, no. No, save your compliments. Hold those. (laughs) To be fair, I don't think we can accept compliments anyway. You and I are particularly bad at it. And I have seen you on, I think, more than one occasion. I've seen someone give you a compliment and then you to them go, no. (laughs) Yeah, I'm quick to I'm quick to say no. No, (laughs) I do. say I do respond with a no. Can never get out a full thank you. I get halfway through a thank you before I'm like, thank you. You. You know no. what else you say, actually, when people give you a compliment? Oh, God, is, tell me. Are you crazy? Are you crazy? <laughs> you cra- Gaslighting people until they're like, me, like, I don't know. They're like, I loved your story. Like, the Carmen Electra was amazing. And you go, are you crazy? <laughs> Nothing further from you. That only took me blood, sweat, and tears and three weeks of work and, and stress. But you're, you're crazy. No, that's so real. I, I, that's actually got to be it. A New Year's resolution. I got to get back at that. I got to say thank you so much. That means so much to me. You've made my day. You do a. You've made my day really well. Uh, I try. But, I try to just say a thank you, and it's also infinitely more likable. And do you know who is someone and who is the is most likable? <laughs> so crazy likable. It's Emma Stone. Oh my god! Can I just start by saying this is the most delightful story about the most delightful woman, not even in Hollywood on the planet. It's just perfectly sweet. It's fun. A slice of cake in the afternoon. It's never, it's not too much. It's like a perfect pick me up. Yeah. An afternoon delight. (laughs) And that's, is that sexual? It's It's sexual. Afternoon delight. It's all there in the name. Afternoon delight. What do you think that means? All right. Well, Emma Stone is not giving us an afternoon delight. Emma Stone is giving us a girl can dream though, frankly. Yeah, I I mean, (laughs) my God, she's gorgeous. And she's been having a huge couple weeks right now. We're doing her in large part because, I mean, she's the name on everybody's lips. She's been on all the red carpets. She's been winning up a storm for her role in Poor Things, which I'm, I'm yet to see. But did you love it? I totally loved it. And I thought it was so funny. Mark Ruffalo is a highlight in it. But Emma Stone, what she's able to pull off, I mean, what she's able to do with her face on screen is unbelievable. She is one of the most expressive and interesting actresses, I think, out there right now. And she is also so lovable on and off camera. And her career is enviable. Yeah, trigger warning to those trying to make it in Hollywood right now. This is a tough one because it's sort of, it's exactly how you'd hope it would go. Yeah, it's so true. So there was never really a moment where it was like, do we walk away from all of this? It was just a steady incline throughout. Not even like highs and lows. It just seemed to be totally linear. Like each role was better, bigger, better received critically, commercially. And she's best known for being funny, which is very rare for a beautiful young Hollywood starlet to be lauded for her comedic chops time and time again and get roles in all of these kind of fun, funky movies and then also do serious roles effortlessly. She is from Scottsdale, Arizona, and she started acting like all of us, a child in theater. And we'll get into it more so in the profile, but she was a very anxious young gal, like really debilitatingly anxious. And improv really helped because if anyone here has done improv, you know, you have to be completely present in the moment and taking in your environment and like acting off of the people around you. And so that became sort of an escape for her as a kid. And then 
when she was she was a freshman in high school and she presented her parents with a PowerPoint presentation that was like, I got to go to L.A. I, I got to go this. I did this based on a magazine article that I read about her saying that she did this. I made a PowerPoint presentation about Italy so I could go. And it worked. It took a few weeks, but it worked. I made one so I could get a second ear piercing. What were your arguments? That it would look cool. Okay. That it wouldn't lead to more piercings. A bold face lie because I knew it was just the beginning. Not a gateway. (laughs) Two, that I was old enough to make decisions about my own body. How old were you? I think I was like 16. All right. You were a good kid. Well, my parents were just extremely anti. Like my dad was like, you will not get a piercing. You will never get a job again. So I really fought hard. Maybe I was 15, but it was somewhere, you know, mid high school. But she was way ahead of the game here at 14. And honestly, I feel sort of shocked and amazed that her parents were like, okay, yeah, we will go move to Park La Brea and you will begin to audition. She got a job working part-time at a dog treat bakery. And honestly, I have to say this period, this couple year period was not without its stops and starts. Her, the first thing she booked never made it to series. It was like a reality show called In Search of the New Partridge Family. And it was unsold, like an unsold pilot. Right. She was auditioning for every sitcom in the world and got like bit parts here and there. And it wasn't until super bad that she really rose to prominence. To take you also back, this profile that we're doing today is Rolling Stone 2019. And it is entitled How Emma Stone Got Her Hollywood Ending. Wait, so is it 2019? Did La La Land come out in 2019? Oh my God, I actually, or no, no, wait. Wait, was it? Well, I thought no, it was no, no, it couldn't Oscars. have been. Because I remember I saw it the first week I arrived in New York, December 2016. So This why... is just a misprinted date, I guess. I think Surely, it must right? be a misprinted date. Yeah. It must be 2017. It's got to be. Because it's that's when be. that Oscar snafu happened with Moonlight. It all yeah. kicked off. Yeah. Okay, yeah. well, I did my research for 2019 in pop culture moments, but I feel like you and I can just riff what happened in 2017. I mean, Oscar's Moonlight moment, Trump's first year of presidency, um, a lot of Kellyanne Conway, if I remember correctly. Oh, my God. So I much of say, that girl. Talk about bleach blonde hair. Yeah. Yeah, me little, too. Little ping- me too. Yeah, Harvey Weinstein went down in 2017. Want to say that was when Harry and Meghan got engaged. Um, Beyonce announced that she was pregnant with twins. Yes, that was huge. A huge yeah. moment. I want to say the whole Katy Perry Migos song was 2017. Do you remember the like cook it up in the in the kitchen? She was doing kind of like these chefs kiss hands on SNL. Do you do you remember any of this? Oh, oh, it seared is... into my brain. <laughs> it was, she had a shaved head. It was just, it was all go. Such a specific time because now I think we look at entertainment as a real dichotomy of like pre me too and post me too. And 2017 yeah. was obviously the big shifting force for that. And it did change everything like in the workplace. Like I even noticed pre and post. Yeah, you're so right. I also really liked riffing on this year with you. I feel like that like brings out the honest truth when you and I are just forced to try to remember. (laughs) We implement this as a segment. We're like, and what was Wait, what was going on? (laughs) (laughs) Even funnier, the years we weren't born. We're just like trying to recall. We're like, and then... uh, uh." (laughs) But it, it was a big year. And specifically, I remember seeing 
that movie and being so moved, which was so funny because I think now it's it's been really being overshadowed by the Moonlight win. But I thought it was great. I actually rewatched it recently and it is fascinating on rewatch. I would say some of it held up because they are so charming and then some of it feels so funny and so like mid 2010s yes Damien Chazelle you know it's tough <laughs> I know it's tough I know what it's you're tough. gonna say tell me it's tell tough. me why you know I think the uggos need to hear because you are very you're an insider in the film industries in many ways I just you know huge fan of whiplash yeah incredible um I saw Babylon and I feel like that's really what is putting me off. It was tough. It's just sort of, you know, I, I think also a piece of this is like, you know, if a bunch of women directors were getting cool opportunities like this all the time and making things, then maybe I would have less to say. But I'm just kind of like, OK, we keep doing this. We keep it's like he's someone who has an unlimited budget now. I don't know. And it's bad. <laughs> and it's and it's not great. And it's not it didn't go perfectly. And La La Land is a very funny rewatch, uh, but I feel very close to it because the jazz club that La La Land is filmed in is this place in Hermosa Beach called The Lighthouse. And I'm completely obsessed with the part owner, part booker there, who's this like 90 year old woman. And Why? Why? Oh, my God. She's fascinating. No, but like, how, do you, no, how do you know? Like you always drop these relationships that I'm just like where did they come from she came over to my table and asked how I was enjoying the jazz trio and I was like <laughs> I'm totally loving it how's your day and then she sat down and she, I was like how long have you been working here and she's like it was me and my husband he passed away and then we just got to talking and that's what happens I goes when you say thank you and you made my day yeah. Let this be a lesson. You'll learn so much about strangers. So much. And I do. Every time I'm out and about, I'm always I'm always making a friend. So she is no different. Gloria, if you're listening. This movie was huge this year. And Emma Stone had been in, you know, serious quote unquote things before. Birdman was very serious. She was playing a recovering addict and actually got nominated for an Oscar for that as Best Supporting Actress. And La La Land brought her her first... Academy Award, which I forget that I know she won Best Actress over Meryl Streep and like Isabel Hubert. I know I have to believe, and I'm thinking about this more and more. It's like the campaigning element, I think, goes so far. And not to like diminish her win in any way, but I think it's just something we overlook. And when we're talking about an Oscar win, there's a lot that goes into the whining, dining, wheeling, dealing pressing the flesh behind the scenes and if you are so likable you are really putting your best foot forward for a win totally 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 this profile was also written by jonah weiner who is an incredible writer written for rolling stone the new yorker new york times and i feel like he really paints a really vivid picture of emma here and i feel like i just want to dive in especially because the beginning is so so fun please okay Emma Stone's favorite place for sushi in Los Angeles is a no-frills spot. What? I forgot about this. I forgot this is how it opens. Oh. <laughs> do, you, do you know the place? I know the place. Keep <gasps> reading. Keep reading. Okay. Insider. Okay. Um, no-frills spot in a Sunset Boulevard strip mall tucked alongside a laser hair removal clinic and a FedEx store. It's here, having barely taken a seat, that she starts telling me about her hiatal hernia. I can't have spicy food. 
Stone says. The issue, it turns out, is that part of her stomach protrudes into my esophagus, which sounds gnarly, but is actually pretty manageable. Increased chances of acid reflux notwithstanding. I was born with it, Stone notes cheerfully. She snaps apart her chopsticks. I was like a little old man as a young lady. Okay, two things to note here. First of all, she's talking about Sushi Park, which is, I think it's called Sushi Park, in the strip mall opposite like the addition right there and we and it's on the top level and it's literally where kendall kylie any celebrity you know goes to this place my friend recently went there took her boyfriend there's no like california rolls like this is like fresh fresh sashimi they the bill came 600 (gasps) 600 and this is like a hole in the wall little spot sushi joint hand shaking putting the credit card down but yes 600 that's kind of what you're spending around there but it's called sushi park it's a very like not so secret secret of like that's where you can go to see rich and famous thank you for telling (laughs) us all about that that's really really fun the and also the hernia thing i have learned about recently because a very close mutual friend of ours has just discovered he has a hernia behind his belly button that has like pushed his belly button out kind of talk about gnarly like he can't kind of like overstrain but yet you can be born with it it can develop as a child uh but yeah it gets like inflamed it's really crazy and he's always been sensitive about his belly button like no one can touch it and now he's worked out that there's an actual reason behind that he's been rational all this time Oh my it's God, that's so wild. I know. Sorry, I had a lot to say off the gate. It really happens where a paragraph just stirs so much in me. And it feels like this paragraph is symbolic because what's clear as profile goes on is Emma Stone is incredibly comfortable and she's not trying to put on airs. Even though they've known each other at this point for 11 minutes, she is talking like they're dear old friends, inside jokes funny moments. She's asking him, like, do I have a booger here? It's stuff that you do with close, close friends that you feel very safe with. And something about it, Ivana, is like not pick me. And I don't quite know how she avoids that. It's a miracle. I agree. It does not feel at all like this is something that I'm doing as a choice. And I'm thinking about that more and more, and especially when I was reading this profile, it came up for me because her and Jennifer Lawrence came up at the same time. They're so frequently compared. They're friends. I've had a very similar type of career trajectory. And something about Jennifer really reads as pick me, like the burping, the farting, the like I'm sweating through the stress. Like, I mean, she's she's also super entertaining and likable in the same way that Emma is, but it's different. It really is an ineffable quality. Emma Stone... And I, th- I feel like this is something you've said, wants it, like wants this career so bad. She did not fall into it. She chased after it. Yeah. She chased after it with everything she had. I, before we got started, watched her acceptance speech when she won the Oscar for La La Land. And you can just tell that she is so honored to be there. It, and it was way more serious than I recalled. I would thought that she would have like, you know, snuck a couple jokes in there, you know, made light of the situation. But she is not at all. She is dead ass. She is yeah. looking out to the crowd and saying, thank you so much. I cannot believe that this is happening. And I have so much learning and growing to do after this. But like, I could not be more grateful. 
Yeah, and I think that is the difference. It's like Jennifer Lawrence got scouted in New York and then like started modeling and then acting came naturally after that. But there is an element of like, I'm just here, you know, and I just happen to be really, really good at this one thing that a lot of people try and do. Whereas she, Emma's hot pursuit and dedication, I think, to the craft of it all is far more, I think, relatable. It's more and more, I think... I am less into the like, oh, I, I, you know, I don't, I didn't try, but look at all that happened. And I don't think that Jennifer Lawrence is like that. Like, it's very clear that she's also very grateful. And I feel like I'm, I'm turning a corner with her in a big way, but I just, I adore Emma Stone and you know, who adores Emma Stone is everyone that's ever worked with her. I mean, Jonah Hill, who's quoted in this piece says she's not full of shit. She's not pretentious and she's electrically smart which is now on my list of like nicest things people could say behind my back if we're talking about compliments again. Electrically smart. I just also love what he brings up about her sitting there at dinner and recognizing who she thinks to be Paris Hilton's ex-boyfriend and like being like, don't look now, but I'm pretty sure that's her ex over there. And he's like, dude, (gasps) you're the most famous person in this restaurant. I love it. And I, I had not thought about this comparison before, but Jonah talks about how Stone is often likened to Diane Keaton. And I hadn't thought about it, but I completely see that now, especially some of like Keaton's early movies. They are both kind of funny and awkward and they have their own timing and their own kind of facial expressions, just intoxicating to watch. He kind of goes through some of her credits, both the ones that she booked and didn't book. She auditioned to star alongside Tom Hanks, who's a hero of hers, didn't get it. But then she got the help. She got Friends with Benefits and she got Crazy Stupid Love. So she was sort of on the rom-com beat for a minute. Crazy Stupid Love felt like a real cultural moment. Her and Ryan Gosling, their chemistry in that movie is, it just works so well. They were also in that gangster movie together. I forget the name. No, their chemistry is so special. I feel like it's rare to have such an intimate on-screen relationship and then an off-screen friendship. And it's funny because I think sometimes people complain about like, oh, it's like always the same people that are paired together. But that is how they did it in old Hollywood, just the same. It was like Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall were always sort of lovers and leads together. And it was because their chemistry was so good. Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, I would say, are just the new version of that. She also, sort of different than other stars at the time, has sort of always been a New Yorker. Outside of her period where she was coming up in LA, things sort of started blowing up when she booked Superbad, when she booked EZA, Zombieland. Those were sort of her early hits, and she was based in LA then. But these days, and back then even, 2017, she is based in New York. And quick fact about EZA. Did you know the same director did Anyone But You, that new Sydney Sweeney movie? No, I didn't. He co-wrote Anyone But You. And also, if you remember EZA, a key anchor throughout the film is the Natasha Bedingfield song, Pocket Full of Sunshine. And Anyone But You, the whole movie revolves around Natasha Bedingfield unwritten. And uh, obviously he was like, it worked once. Why not do it again? <laughs> Roll back the tape. <laughs> well, it also just feels confusing because for something that worked, 
wouldn't you try to maybe like emulate it, but at least a different artist at that point? Yes. Yes, exactly. It's way too on the nose. But her reasoning for why she's like not an L.A. girl, she's a New York girl. She says, speaking of L.A., it's what I imagine D.C. is like, where you're surrounded by all of these people who are constantly rising and falling in the local power rankings. And it's the only thing they can think and talk about. Okay, I just met someone who recently moved from D.C. to L.A. who told me D.C. is Hollywood for ugly people. Oh, my God. And it's like, whoa, because politics, right? I do feel like they really are closely related in the way that both have such strong industries where if you're at a restaurant in D.C. or you're at a restaurant in L.A., it's like you know what everybody's talking about. In LA, the amount of times that I've sat down organically at a restaurant and on this side of me, someone's talking about their pilot that didn't get picked up. And on this side, they're talking about their manager who they've been meaning to leave for years and like isn't pushing them as hard as they want in their career is like comical. And I know it's the same in DC where it's like lobbyists on this side and like staffers on this side. It's just like, it is the town. The town is the industry. The industry is the town. Exactly. And instead of like this A-list actor just walked in, it's like this senator is is sitting over there. Don't look. Well, overall, Emma Stone is not interested in any of it. She's like, I'm in New York. I'm going to go see a play with my friends. We're going to go over to someone's house and watch a movie. In this case, she talks about going over to Jen's house, Jennifer Lawrence, that is, and watching (laughs) Hocus Pocus. And it seems really wholesome. I got to say, she's kind of like, I'm really not interested in being amongst the social ranking crowd. And then- we get into La La Land, of course. He's like, it's love, it's dancing, it's singing, and it's a look at LA in a way that we so, so never get, where it's this like romantic place where everything is possible. I loved this quote from Damien Chazelle here who said, I needed someone who'd make the traditional musical feel relevant and accessible to people who don't think they like musicals. That was his take on her. And I was like, that is so true. Yeah. Like, yeah. No iPad face here. Is it iPhone face? It's iPhone face. I I thought it was iPad face. IPad face. <laughs> I like that better. I do. I like it too. There's something about an iPad that is so, so funny. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's you're true. Right. She, she is so timeless. And I maybe this is a good point to bring up that. Do you know I've interviewed her? No, I, I didn't know yeah, that. I've I've sat with her. Yeah, press junket, you know, those really quick rolling interviews of like 10 minutes, you sit with a person, you get three quotes and leave. But she was incredible. Like she was like everything you could imagine. I think when people ask me who is the best person you've interviewed or who is the person who was so aligned with their kind of on-screen presence, it's her for me. She was the nicest a-lister I or probably celebrity in general I've ever come into contact with maybe apart from Brendan Urie lead singer of Panic at Disco and Love of My Life but she she was absolutely everything in person and very beautiful in a very accessible way modern and timeless as Damien Chazelle says and very nice like so nice it felt insane like it was like it's not safe for you out there to be like this (laughs) have some boundaries woman Yeah, totally. Oh, that's so sweet, though. The writer Jonah talks about her default being self-deprecation and how different that is to so many actors whose default is self-promotion. Like, it's, it's so refreshing and it's such a departure from what he's used to. 
she's just like, I don't really think about where all this is going. I'm just focusing on what I've got to do in the moment, which is probably the best and healthiest way you can move through Hollywood. That makes sense why her head is still on her shoulders, even as she's right now in this moment. And he references like very likely going to be nominated for best actress at the Oscars. And she is kind of like, oh, I don't like to think about all that stuff. I just focus on what I have to do at any one moment. I love how also when they get into politics, speaking of 2016, 2017, and like this era where there was so much uncertainty when Trump won, it really did feel like the end of the world. And I think that's why this profile feels like such a beautiful time capsule too. She was a very, very staunch Hillary Clinton supporter. He describes her as like pin wearing Hillary Clinton supporter. And the fact that Donald Trump won, I mean, listen, to, I, here we are literally seven years later and he's running for re-election this year. And her quotes here still ring so true. She says, it's terrifying, the not knowing, but I can't stop thinking about vulnerable people being ignored and tossed aside, marginalized more than they've already been for hundreds of years, and how the planet will die without our help. It comes <laughs> in waves. People still think he may win this this election cycle. I know. The caucuses already put him well ahead of any other Republican candidate. I so know. it's uh it is it does feel a little bit like Groundhog Day. Like here we go again. Yeah. And how do they deal with this? Jonah writes, drinking helps. There's a very cute little exchange here where they are pouring each other sake, which is sort of the Japanese etiquette when you're drinking. You never pour your own drink. You always pour I from didn't someone know else. This. And then, I know it's really sweet. It feels very like selfless in nature. It was ingrained in me and now I still sort of think about it all the time from my little summer there because that was always, always what you did. She's talking about how it's like, it's more than just etiquette. Filling one's own sake glass is like public masturbation. And <laughs> when he does it at some point, she's like, you just jerked off on the table. This like reads truly like funny dialogue. I don't know anyone who's effectively able to make comedic dialogue feel real in like an actual, just like normal conversation that they're having with someone. Or just like in written form, like it translates so funny too. And she was like, you just poured for yourself. You just jerked off on the table. Go on, pour me some, jerk me off too. She's so naturally funny. And like, he is yeah. so good at distilling that. I mean, this type of exchange, it's like, maybe it could have been left on the cutting room floor. And the fact that he didn't goes to show just like how much he sees her, I think. I'm so glad he left it in. And then from here... We sort of backtrack a bit to her childhood where he gets into some of the details and talks about her contractor dad, her homemaker mom, the fact that she grew up like by no means wealthy and he, her dad started his own business. It wasn't until his company got successful that they sort of, you know, were able to live kind of a middle class life. This was a really interesting commentary on class, I think. And she is so real for this. I think Beyonce has called this out as well. We've had the same conversation where they're not claiming that they have a rags to riches story, which so many artists who make it big are want to do because of course it makes them more likable, more relatable. But she's just kind of like, yeah, like I, we had no money to a certain point and then we did have money and that's it. And everything she looks at, she approaches with the same kind of laissez-faire honesty. She talks about the fact that they were raised religious, but not really. She calls it diet Catholic. 
incredible. Incredible. I was very yeah. like diet Anglican growing up. So I deeply felt that. She's so honest. And this is where she talks more in depth also about her anxiety as a kid. She says, my brain naturally zooms 30 steps ahead to the worst case scenario. When she was seven, she became convinced the house was burning down. She says, I could sense it. Not a hallucination, just a tightening in my chest, feeling like I couldn't breathe, like the world was going to end. And that went on sort of like throughout her childhood, which is, oh, my heart just breaks for all the little sweeties out there having anxiety. I feel like as a kid, it's so devastating because they don't know what's happening and you can't really explain. And it's sort of this like really confusing and terrifying feeling of just something is wrong. She says, at a certain point, I couldn't go to friends' houses anymore. I could barely get out the door to school. Yeah, I've never heard of like debilitating anxiety in children because obviously it's a word or term that we throw around now so cavalierly. Like we're just kind of like, yeah, I'm so anxious. And this feeling of like she literally couldn't breathe. She couldn't leave the house. It's I just haven't heard that in, in children or I haven't heard it being articulated as anxiety. But she went to a therapist, right? Yeah, she went to a therapist and it helped a lot. And she actually wrote this little book called I am bigger than my anxiety where she drew this little green monster on her shoulder that would speak to her in her ear and tell her all these like scary things that weren't true and when she listened to it it got bigger and when she didn't listen to it and just went about her life it got smaller and smaller until it faded away which is like a perfect metaphor for anxiety and my hats off to young artiste (laughs) Emma Stone as a child. I know a psychologist, Dr. Stone. (laughs) Yeah, truly. Also, they include in this article a little pic of her as a child, and it is so good. I don't know why more profiles don't have these little throwback photos or archival imagery, like her in a little feather boa, sequin dress, hips popped, hands on the hips, like as an eight-year-old. It's like, why don't they do this in profiles more often? Like everyone should have a childhood photo in it. I'm obsessed. I actually just texted a a pair of friend of mine like, hey, do you guys happen to have child photos of yourself? I was just thinking about it and I feel desperate to see how you were as small children. Yeah, it really gives you so much context, even to lead off from her anxiety and then show like eight-year-old Emma Stone. It's just such a good storytelling tool. I think, yeah, I just think that should every every single profile should do it, especially when you're going so far back into their lives. I don't want to see an overproduced shoot, you know? I don't want to see you winding your hair on a sailboat in bikini bottoms in a stripy cashmere sweater, just like shot by Stephen Mizell. Like, this is what I want to see. I want to see little you. I truly live for a baby photo. And the other way that she found outside of, you know, quelling the little green monster on her shoulder to deal with her anxiety was performing. So she started acting, sketch comedy, improv. I love this quote where she says, you have to be president improv. And that's the antithesis of anxiety. I'd never thought of it like that. Anxiety, obviously, it lives in the past. You're cringing over something you said, or it lives in the future of like what's going to come next. Being present really is the antidote. And she realized that the yes and concept of improv was the only way she was going to outrun anxiety. Yes. You know, all the girls are saying, meditate, meditate, do it. It's so good for you. And same idea. It's like anything that puts you in the present will heal you. I find that it's different when I really make a concerted effort to be present in my life. Suddenly, it all feels like, okay, well, I don't have any control over what happens in the future. It'll all be fine. Like finding something that takes you out of yourself. Exactly. 
So at 12, she made her first PowerPoint presentation to basically convince her parents that she should be homeschooled. And then at 14, she made her presentation called Project Hollywood to beg them to take her to L.A. Okay, and she owes Microsoft a check. Yeah. Like she should be the face of PowerPoint. Can you imagine that collab <laughs> comes out as like the first celebrity endorsement, like how like Kristen Stewart does Chanel? Of a software feature. <laughs> I love it. Like one piece of Microsoft Office. Emma Stone for PowerPoint. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay, I also did not know that her real name was Emily Stone. It is not Emma Stone. Yeah, because in the Screen Actors Guild, right, there was an Emma Stone already. Emily Stone already. So she went by Emma. And the initial agreement for her move to L.A. was not like, okay, we're moving the whole family out and we're now going to be based in L.A. It was like, okay, we're going to go there for a couple months through pilot season and we'll see how you do. So she auditioned for three months straight and got absolutely nothing. So she basically was like, okay, I need a job. Got a job baking dog cookies at a dog bakery. And booked a couple things. She did an episode of Malcolm in the Middle. She was the dog on The Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. Yeah, she voiced the dog. <laughs> Which is so funny. She did book a part on Louis C.K.'s HBO sitcom, Lucky Louie. Okay, where... and this feels so 2017. Because it's yeah. very clear that the writer is so impressed by the Louis C.K. connection. Like, yes. he... Brings it up. It's the pullout quote that is like magnified within the text. You know, when they do that, they just make mm -hmm. one quote, like a big moment to catch your eye. And he's just like kind of obsessed with the fact that she was on his sitcom, Lucky Louie. And what's even weirder about it is that she talks about the character and was like, I was 16 and my character was offering to blow him. I've bumped into Louie since. And we're always like, hey, so remember that? But it's like, that's the quote that's pulled out within the text. I know. Deeply awkward also because of like the Louis accusations being so much like. Blah, blah, blah. Can I masturbate in front of you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So much about his penis. So much about his penis all around. We don't love it. But Emma Stone has, has trudged on undeterred, thankfully. And hopefully nothing happened. As I pray, nothing ever happens to her. No. And at this point, she got a lot of encouragement from Allison Jones, who is like an iconic, one of the biggest casting directors kind of ever, especially in comedy. She launched Jonah Hill's career. She launched Seth Rogen's career, James Franco's career. I loved this roll call of men who have all had d deeply problematic moments of the past like few years. It's just oh my God. so interesting. Is Seth Rogen too? Oh, Seth Rogen is like a tougher one. I've heard like mixed things recently. And now, now I'm sitting here. I actually can't recall. Um, no, I think I actually just heard that he's, he's not very nice. Heard, I, heard, heard. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know for sure, honestly. But I mean, James Franco, Jonah Hill, it's like, these were all our boys. Like we loved them. And to see them just kind of go down one by one and how the women just continue to be absolute like beacons of morality <laughs> they just have like yeah. the men are toppling in the face of fame and fortune and the women remain angels so it was a huge moment when she booked super bad it would have been her senior year of high school and she sort of like came back to high school in the world of super bad to play jules who is like the popular girl who's also really funny and she honestly kills it in this she's so lovable she's so fun it made so much sense to me that after this movie happened, everyone was like, who is that? We love her. 
And she kind of cemented herself as like both like an actrice with the help. And I would say particularly Birdman. She plays Michael Keaton's daughter. She gives it her all. She's messy here. And she talks about a moment while shooting. She was working with director Alejandro Gonzalez in a Wait, also the fact that Jonah does a callback here to the Louis C.K. blowjob again. This is why I'm like, this really stuck with him. He was talks about the fact that her Birdman character is like fresh out of rehab and was like, this part is one of the very few times Stone has portrayed a fuck up since offering to blow a Louis C.K. anyway. It's all so pre-me too. It's wild. I know everyone just casually talking about it. And I also thought it was so funny that he wrote about how it's hard to imagine her getting cast as a villain anytime soon. And she was famously cast as Cruella. The female villain to end them all. Like no redeeming features. Yeah. She on Birdman had like a real awakening on set because they were shooting the scene. It was like going over and over again. This was like a very serious role and a really intense movie just all around. And the director Alejandro was like, uh, that's not quite right. You're not getting it. And then she went to her dressing room and was like, I can't do it. I'm losing my fucking mind. And then even though she says, I'm usually a people pleaser, but I felt like, fuck it. I don't even care anymore. So when I went back to do the scene, I was crazy spitting. And Alejandra goes, beautiful. There it is. And she's like, I wasn't trying to make it perfect anymore. She's very straight A student. Yeah. That definitely comes through. I know. People pleasers unite. We can't be like this. It'll be better when we're spitting. <laughs> and then La La Land comes. And she was really serious about that too she was kind of like how much time do we have because i'm gonna learn how to tap dance if i'm gonna be in this i'm gonna be dancing for real i want to do it right and damien chazelle is sort of like wow that's not normal for actors yeah no one does that they're literally masking the moves with you know misleading close-ups or just like cutaways right it's like when you see an actor play the piano play in quotation marks on screen <laughs> it's just like there's it's just them <laughs> behind the piano with the cut of someone's fingers and so she's like yeah no i i wanted to be able to do this and she was incredible dancing in that movie I know. I know. You could tell. You really could tell that she was not faking it. The film is like a breakthrough in another way for her because she was like, there are times in the past making a movie when she's been told she's hindering the process by bringing up an opinion or an idea. And it seems like La La Land specifically was so collaborative. And this I resonated with so much, Ivana. I think there is such a tendency for actresses or women at large to be like, Yeah, it's because I'm a woman that no one listens to me. And that may very well be true. But there are also times when someone's just a dick. They're not necessarily sexist or misogynist. They're just kind of like, they just don't give a shit about you or anyone. The way she prefaces this by saying, I hesitate to make it about being a woman, but there have been times where I've improvised or someone has laughed at my joke and then they've given it away to my male co-star or her saying, I don't think this line's going to work. And they're like, yeah, we'll just do it and then we'll cut it. And then they didn't cut it and it didn't work. It's just so it's so well put, like to air your grievances in a way that doesn't feel like playing the victim. No. And it also made me livid because the idea of a joke being given away, which like I'm sure you've had this experience. I've had this experience where I say something funny and then just a man says it louder in the group that we're in. And then he gets like around a chorus of laughter from everyone. And I'm sort of like, I be totally unaware. They'll be like, I'm just a funny dude. Yeah. I thought of this. I don't know where it came from, but I thought of it. I thought this was interesting to include that he says Stone goes off record before elaborating further, which means she gave examples, baby. What I would do to have that off record recording. 
Me too. I know. I was like, damn, send along the transcript. I'd love to know. (laughs) And then we go into the delightful, one of our favorite parts of any profile. Here I am doing something with a star. So they decide on something very iconically LA. They go for a hike at Griffith Park. (laughs) And she does not show up dressed for the trails. Exactly. Jonah writes. She's wearing a felted wool writing cap with its brim pulled low over dark tinted shades, a thin gauge sweater with a small hole in the back, skinny jeans, and a pair of Velcro strap acne sneakers. Skinny jeans on a hike up Griffith. No. Melissa that's not familiar with Griffith, it's not easy. It's a dusty dirt trail that is taking you way up above the Hollywood sign into the mountains to survey all of Los Angeles. Like, You cannot wear skinny jeans. No, it wouldn't be smart. It would not be smart. And this becomes an issue because Jonah writes, we amble up a dusty hill and are breathing hard embarrassingly soon. (laughs) Barely a quarter mile in, Stone doubles over at a switchback as though she's about to barf on the trail. She points at the ridge above us, shoulders heaving for comedic effect. Are we going up there? Are you fucking kidding me? I I love it. I totally love it. Because so much I feel like when you're talking about an actor's physical fitness, it's to talk about how like, you know, what's his name? Batman put on 25 pounds. Christian Bale put on like 25 pounds of muscle. And like, Mm. you know, Taylor Swift can run for three hours, we find out through her profile. And I'm obsessed that what we have to say about Emma Stone is like a quarter mile in. She's (laughs) heaving for air. And she did talk about how she was in pretty good shape for La La Land and she got in really, really good shape for Battle of the Sexes. She put on like 15 pounds of muscle weight training. Here is our every episode shout out. As you know, we love to do. Lift the weights, lift the heavy things. Lift the (laughs) weights. And she says, um, holding up a non-existent bicep, I lost it so fast. (laughs) (laughs) She's so real for that. I know. No, I, I'm just obsessed with the fact that hiking together and she is on total struggle straight. He even writes, fitter hikers pass us. Which is so, <laughs> ants, ants march across our legs. Like it's so, it's so good. And it's such a beautiful callback, this conclusion. Dude. I know. So this is how it ends. Far out in front of us is the Pacific, waves shimmering. To our right is the Hollywood sign. The observatory juts out from a cliff behind our heads. If it weren't for the dust-caked piss on our sneakers, it could almost be a scene in an old-time musical. Does anyone ever get sick of this, Stone asks, catching her breath and taking in the view? I mean, who could ever get sick of this? Yeah. Finn. That's such a beautiful ending. Also, just as a metaphor for how on top of the world she is in this moment. And she's not sick of the view. Like, she's not jaded at all. She's so happy to be there. She's so grateful. Oh God, she's so cool, man. I finished this. I text you and I was like, it's good. It's very, very good. And it's short. It's fun. It's not an 8,000 word Timothy Chalamet profile. Like it's so, but it distills her so well. And I love her so much more after. Same, which is like, I didn't really think that was possible because she is so lovable just on the day to day. I hope she wins her second best actress Oscar at the Oscar season this year. I'm going to say it. I'm I'm wishing truly nothing but the best for her. And I feel like also she's a girl's girl. I, I just really, I hope that she only continues to have a stratospheric rise in her career because I feel that she's one of the most deserving. She's also done like an amazing job of being low key. 
Yeah. And she's like, she's never front page of just Jared. She's just kind of really mellow for a for an A-lister. And her like, husband uh, is so cute. Wait, who's her husband? Her husband is like an SNL writer, and they actually started a production company together in 2020 called Fruit Tree. And they just seem like sweet as pie. When you see him, you'll see because he's my type. He looks basically like Steven. <laughs> it's like, I'll send you a picture and you'll and you'll know what I'm talking about. Glasses. Glasses, kind of a flannel. Do you love a wiry man? I won't I, I, do. I can't deny you that. <laughs> you like him slim. <laughs> I know. And funny. Ivana, the fat phobic. <laughs> Like if a man is over a hundred pounds, <laughs> can you imagine? Well, her or me with like a, a basketball player, an athlete. Oh God, no, 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 no. Nope. I mean, look, I don't want to. I want to rule them all out, but God doesn't usually give with both hands, and uh, those boys they got a good healthy dose of one thing. They don't need any more than that. Agreed. I think that's so reasonable. <laughs> Okay, so coming off of this, speaking of someone who has interviewed her, how much do you want to hang out with this woman? Desperately. Really, really a lot. Very much, very much I want to hang out with her. And I would love to profile her. I'd love to interview her. This is one of the ones where it kind of hurts, like it pains in the gut that we don't know her personally. Like, yeah. I'm seeing a lot of people recently talk about like Renee Rapp and being like, oh my God, if only I could be friends with her. That doesn't ring true for me but in emma stone it's like we should be getting dinner tomorrow night like we should i feel oh, real claim we to her. should damn it i'm actually i'm feeling anger i'm feeling anger that that's not in the cards for us i know there's few people with whom i feel like have built like a true parasocial relationship who is not in the podcast space and she is one of them like i'm like this girl is our girl she's for all of us she belongs to us and she's not even based in LA, so it's not even like we could run into her. No. I, well, who knows? Maybe on the red carpet. Maybe awards season. You and I should apply to be seat fillers at the Oscars. I tried to apply. I tried <laughs> to apply. <laughs> and then they asked for a headshot, and I didn't have anything recent, so I didn't apply. Oh, God damn it. I know. I've got I can't believe they headshot. asked for a headshot. They're like, you can only be on camera if you're hot. That, oh, absolutely. You don't think there's going to be some sense of discrimination? It's not like the lottery. you got to fit the crowd. Can't have any just yeah, random yeah. uggo in there. Except for our uggos right. who are all hot and beautiful. I know. We need to go get headshots together. I don't think I, I've never had a he proper headshot. I have. I have. Have you? Yeah. When I was starting my career. Same age as Emma Stone. Had a had my little agent out here in LA and was driving up for auditions. Can you please post to the Instagram? I would die to see those. Oh photos. my god! Oh my god! Okay, do you still I have will. them? I will. Yeah, I <gasps> totally do. I actually just found them the other day, and I was like, "Oh my god! I cannot believe that I did this." You will die when you see it. Oh my god! I'll send it oh, to you I, as soon as we as soon as we wrap the call. On the edge of my seat, I my hands are shaking. Um, wait, what are you doing tonight? Also, I'm just wondering. Just curious. There's a bar crawl happening. I, I haven't done. I haven't been to a bar crawl in maybe ever. So that might be an option. But honestly, dude, I drank a lot last night. I spent a lot of money on drinks. I had two Negronis like unnecessarily at like a bar that doesn't make cocktails. Like it's like a well liquor. <laughs> and I ordered Negronis. And it's like, why did I do that? I could have just so easily had a tequila soda. It, 
was so ridiculous. But I'm also at the time in my life where I'm like, I just can't suckle down a bad tasting drink anymore. I don't know. I don't have it. I don't have it. So instead I'm paying $18 for a cocktail at a dive bar. It's like, no, 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 no. That sounds so fun though. I love that. What are you doing tonight? I am going to a natural wine bar with Steven's sister. And then there's a Packers game tonight. And so we're all coming back home, the football team. The way that you live the American dream. (laughs) I know. Hanging out with my sister-in-law, then coming back to get the whole family together to watch those boys play, to watch them run around. But I the last game that we watched was really exciting because they like it was a big upset. They beat the Dallas Cowboys and like no one predicted they would and they beat them by a lot and everyone was really excited here. So I I find um anything where there is like community and joy, I really I can slot in. And if it has to be football <laughs> right now, I'll take it. That was such an AI response and we no one expected that upset. I was thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> You and no, you know me. Football I, phrases into ChatGPT. I can't wait to see their hat trick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so proud of you. Your dedication never ceases to amaze me. To truly anything you set your mind to, including f- sports fandom, you are. <laughs> I, I once again am Blake Lively, three piece suited out, top hat tipped in in awe of you. <laughs> you know what we are? We're adoptable girls. Our circumstances may have changed, but our mindset won't. Exactly right. And the thing that I think we'd most like to adapt to is a five-star review. So Yeah, and a couple more Patreon subscribers. I would love to adapt to that. (laughs) I'd love to adapt to that. That would be a really fun thing to adapt to. You can subscribe to our Patreon in the show notes of this episode and also in our link in bio on our Instagram, Uncovergirl Podcast. You can also hit that five star and subscribe, baby, on Spotify or write us a little love note on Apple. We would we'll read them out and we'll we'll do it. We'll absolutely <gasps> self-filate with uh, with our own reviews to say thank you so much to everyone that is taking the time to listen and write. We love you. We I can't say that enough. I can't emphasize it enough. And you it's make- true life worth living. You make profiles worth reading. Wow. I have to say I came in low energy and I'm leaving high energy. Oh, I love to hear it. I really am. I feel, I feel that spark. I feel that sparkle, that stone sparkle. (laughs) They have a stone empowerment program. Yes. No. I like that. That's really good. She's a, a, a diamond of a stone. I yeah. don't know, dude. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> you are all gems to us. We, again, we love you, and we will see you next week. Subscribe, like, share. Five stars. <laughs> Bye. Uncover Girl is lovingly crafted by Beatrice Hazelhurst and Ivana Ryder. If you want to get even deeper under the covers with us, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash uncovergirl or follow us on Instagram at uncovergirlpodcast. Rate Uncovergirl, write us a review and share your favorite episode, Shawn Mendes, Rolling Stone 2018, anyone? And we will be your forever fans. Love you.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.